All right. Hey, uh, this is uh, podcast number two. I'm Greg. I'm Ian. And I'm Lauren. Today, the topic is the camaraderie of shared experience. And Lauren, why don't you kick us off? Okay. So when we first started talking about this, it was always about what, what can we talk about and what brings us together. And throughout a lot of the different experiences I've had, I've uh, former military, um, through sporting, uh, whatever group it is, I really think that there is a lot of value in in people sharing their being in shared victories and even in shared losses, right? Right. So even if you lose or win, the, the outcome doesn't matter. It's how you came together as a team. Yeah. Well, no, not everybody gets a, a trophy here. Well, not that. <laughs> not a, there's. It's not about an actual sure. award. It's about the, you know, the the feeling, sure. the, the brotherhood or or sisterhood that comes out of this. Yeah, I'm just giving you a hard time, but I <laughs> I completely agree that there is, and studies have proven that people that go through a traumatic event together are connected for a period of time. But even more so when you look at, for example, a sporting team that maybe you're working out with over a number of years or even your time in the military, which is instead of the sports team where you walk off the field, you hit the showers and you go home, military, you're with those people 24-7. So I can only imagine that sense of connection and common goal and... You hear the terms in the movies of, yeah, I'd take a bullet for this person. I could see how that could be fostered from a military experience. Yeah, it's it's a, it's hard to put into words what, like, the, it's the shared experience. So mm -hmm. we, we all have the same goal. I see it a lot with uh, the, when the boys are on the play together, you know, on baseball. The, mm -hmm. You know, they have a common goal. Sure. I know when I do, I, I'm part of a jujitsu group. And it's hard to explain, but you know when you're you're putting your blood, sweat, and tears on the mat, same goal, same you mm -hmm. know, you're trying to get to the same place. You build a bond, a friendship that goes beyond just hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm living the dream, right? Yeah, and we, and we talked about in in the first episode, right? Andrew Tate's uh, talking about how that moment in high school was that what they all look back on as the best time of their life and it was more about the the guys, the team, than it was about the actual wins and losses of the sport itself. And it's a huge separator between men and women because I think men look back on those times way more so than women do. I, I don't know. I know my Ooh. wife had her girlfriends, and but I don't think it's it has that same competitive bond there's less competition I think in women's groups especially in adolescence than there is and maybe it's changing now with more women's sports but I wonder if they have that same feeling of camaraderie the way men do I, I would assume that they do I've talked to a few um, women athletes that uh, women uh, softball coaches and they would always say how the, the women that they played college with are their, still their best friends 10 years later. Mm -hmm. So the friends that you have in those shared experiences are the ones that are, are going to be your, you know, they've, they've put the work in with you. Right. They're yeah. the ones that keep you honest, right? So it's, 
it's not just the person that you know is on the team, but your your throwing partner that you know, hey, you, you missed that throw, just throw it a little bit, you know, sure. a little bit more accuracy there, or your strength. If your guy goes to the gym with you and lifts weights, come on, you can do another two reps, <laughs> right? And I've heard about it with like the women's U.S. soccer team and the English women's soccer team that they have that camaraderie and they use that term. Like curveball, what about men and women's groups? That would be a little bit the different. best co-ed softball team ever. Right? Would there be that? Because I, I I know a buddy of mine in Los Angeles used to always get together on Thursday nights and go play co-ed softball. But I don't ever remember him saying, "God, I miss those guys and girls." It, 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 I wonder if that's different. I wonder if that's something that's doesn't have that bond. I I think that's a great topic. I don't mean to cut you off, Lauren, but I think the the experience is the uh, is the group going? To, it's the commitment of significant time. It's the bus ride to the game across state lines. It's staying in the hotel together. It's the whole experience, meals together. So I don't know if you're going to get that from a co-ed softball league My because you're, you're showing up. There's a two or three hour connection with those people. Maybe you head to the local watering hole afterwards. Which they did. Celebrate yep. some some exciting times. I'm not sure that's going to reach that same level of just connected with, you know, the what's up, brother? How you doing, brother? So you think about it, right? How do you take that into the workplace? So everyone would say, well, the, you know, my main guys I see is during the week are the guys I work with. But does a company like a a big company do they have the camaraderie or do you could do you have to be a smaller like startup where you really are all of you battling to keep your paycheck alive so i've actually had experience in in huge corporations in the tech world and in some startups and i can tell you right now the startups i'm still friends with some of those those people that yeah. we all stayed up all night doing deployments or pushing out a new patch or whatever it happened to be at that point. But I still consider all those people my friends. So let's take this another step. Do you think it's because of the entrepreneurial spirit of we want this to survive that maybe exists more in that small startup versus, you know, you, you look at some of the larger employers, how do they build that excitement? Okay, well, we're putting together a company softball team. You want to sign up? to try and draw that connection. But you might have a percentage of the people that are just showing up to punch time clock and get a paycheck. I think that's going to be the hardest part for big corporations. So going back to the, the, the startups, the startups, the reason we had that shared experience is it was the company's success, depending on all of us right. putting in that 100% effort, 200% effort, right? It was sure. not just... Hey, let's just, I'm doing this patch. You guys, I'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm doing my part. Even if they were done with their portion, people would stay. We would all stay up all night together, getting something out the door. There was a, a, a feeling of we are getting, we're doing something that moves the company, moves the, 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 we're getting one step closer to the goal. Sure. Whereas, as my favorite phrase is, most big corporations manage to mediocrity. Yeah, right. They don't want you to be successful. And they I say they do. Maybe it's, that's the striving part, right? Is it, in the football team, the basketball team, whatever it is, you're trying to beat the odds. 
that's part of the bonding exercise. Like I work for an SMB, 170 people, small, medium business as an acronym. Um, and within our marketing team, I'm still great friends with every one of the guys on that team because we looked at it as if, if we fail, the company fails, we're not gonna drive leads. And we really dug deep. It, hours didn't really matter if someone left early, they left early. If they stayed late, they stayed late. But the goal was we held each other accountable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, oh, Bob's doing his job or Stephen's doing his job and whatever, we don't really care whether it is it good or not. Because it impacted each other. We saw the impact it had on each other. So did the term, if we go back to your, to either of those experiences, did the term CYA ever come up? Yeah. So in the startups it, that I was part of, it, we didn't have that. It was about literally unit. everybody cared about everyone. Sure. It was probably the greatest work environment I've ever been in, mm -hmm. but they went bankrupt. Right? <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not allowing I mean, you that, but so I've, I've worked very small companies, very large companies. I've found over time, I've tended to head towards smaller organizations. The largest company I worked for had 235,000 employees and I felt like a number. So yeah. it's hard to feel like I'm going to help move the needle in this organization because I didn't feel that sense of camaraderie. So it's funny because, again, for me, a big company experience, I heard the term, they return the assets back to the marketplace. And I thought, did they sell the chairs back to the vendor? They laid off people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Return the assets back to the marketplace. Great use of the English language. Right. But like you say, being a number, you, you're just an asset at that mm -hmm. point in time. You had your use or you didn't have your use. Um, and it's always going to be harder for the bigger the organization to get the groups to have that shared experience. In. So I, I'm thinking back to when I felt that in the workplace and I worked for an airline that doesn't exist anymore. Well, technically it does, but uh, and a lot of employees. But I can remember working on the ground and loading aircraft and over the holidays, flight would come in late. And there was a big push, and a, as long as everybody's pulling the same weight, and this, hey, we got to turn this plane quickly, we've got to get this thing loaded, we're going to be right at capacity, every square inch is going to be loaded, there was high fives walking away. One day out of the year, not bad, yeah. <laughs> but definitely not a consistent brotherhood feeling. So wh what is that driving force? What is that intrinsic thing that happens that moves it from a day-to-day -day experience and a connection with the bond of the people that you were with. So to launch that about accountability, right? You, I think you just said it. What, what changes it is when you agree to be accountable. For, for me, that's how I'd look at it. And I think that's what I've seen in business and even in sports teams. When people care, when they decide I'm not giving up because I care, I'm going to be accountable for my part mm -hmm. in this. I think that's that changes it. And I think there's a... X factor that comes in. You saw it with Michael Jordan and the way he made everyone better around him. Sure. Because he made them accountable. Steve Kerr talks, talks about with the three-point shot where he's never expecting to get the ball and Jordan's like, Steve's going to shoot it. Now he's accountable. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that was a great note, Lauren, that you had on that, that people sell themselves short of their goals 
and, and I think I mentioned it in our opening podcast, if you go to the gym, the best way to work out and get the body you want is to have someone there working with you. Right. I even printed out this um, whole piece on for my son about you know, mental toughness. And one of the things it talks about in there is when you do practice, have somebody who's going to meet you there, who's going to go through the reps with you, mm-hmm. who's going to go through the weightlifting with you to, again, hold you accountable. And not someone who's just going to rubber stamp, oh, yeah, you were here. Right. You did great. You can always get better no matter what you're doing. Hey, so, so if we jump back to our first podcast, are there such things as an AI workout buddy? There probably is. I'm sure that... Oh, well, no, there is. There's an app for it. I actually was going to so, download it. It gives you all... If you want, it, it'll ask you, what are you looking for? It goes through all your um, sure. personal does it, traits. Does it hold you accountable? I don't think it can. It could if you if it was smart enough. Lie, lie, <laughs> and lie. Check all those boxes. Your tone sounds different, Lauren. I don't think you're speaking the truth. Yeah, exactly. That's the next step of it. Well, well. they do have voice analysis as well. Or if you plugged in a heart monitor and in it. Yeah. Well, sure. Sure. Well, you're so you're only going to be as accountable. Uh, I mean, so as you allow yourself, if you're short-circuiting the whole accountability by lying, you're you're not in the right mind no, space. But on that AI topic, right, and accountability, someone's, I read that there is a app that the phone companies can plug in to tell whether you are lying with your speaking. It's it's already there, and I'll find it for one of our future podcasts, exactly what this thing's called, but it, that's frightening. Yes. Because can you imagine your credit card company? Sir, did you make this charge? No. Oh, it says you did right here. <laughs> well, well, now, what about the accountability you in, yeah. say, you're being uh, interviewed by a police officer? Right. It's uh, like you're, the AI goes, yeah, the guy's lying. Exactly. Well, so if the phone company can figure out accountability on AI, how come they can't stop the elderly from getting scammed? Well, but that's what they're trying to use it for. That's what one of the uses or is going to be for, is you have it on your end, and it lights up a color to say, this person's not telling the truth, or they're not who they say they are. And, and I, I've, I've, what I read about it, it's been beta tested, and they're like, this works. Even better than a polygraph. Wow. Which is frightening. It, uh, it's just a, a paradigm shift of... Wow. I mean, as, as we sit here recording this podcast, I'm looking at these two guys thinking, are they lying through their teeth? Right. I have no idea. Because, I'm reading facial right. expressions. Think about it. You want people to be impeccable with their word and accountable but without having to have a meter or something that's calling BS on them. Is that a wedge? Does that does that bring humans together or no, drive us apart? apart? I think it's a wedge. It drives them apart. I, I can understand the technology and I can understand the, the economic drive to build something that does that because then it's a product for them to sell. They can commoditize it. Well, I remember hearing Dennis Prager um, do a show one day about um, telling the truth. And one of the subjects that came up was if you're a... German hiding Jews in your house and the Gestapo knock on the door and say, is there any Jews here? Are you going to hell if you say no, but you're, and you're lying because they're hiding in the basement. But like there's, there's some lies that you just have to, you just have to tell. And I know that's probably maybe an extreme example, but 
if you, I think if we delved into it, you, you could find others that to protect someone's feelings. Do I look fat in this dress? Mm. You know, well, does I'm, this I'm, look good on me? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, uh, there's, I think there's a lot of those the, those situations where you know, you, you, they're white lies maybe, but they're still not full truth. And the last thing you want to like, sir, does that meal taste great to you? Yeah. Says here, you, you're lying to your teeth. What's wrong with it? Well, and I think I, I, I think I see where you're going with that, and I understand that. For me, there's a huge difference, and I'm sure that you guys would agree that you meet those people, and you have a long enough conversation with people that are habitual liars, and they have to take so long to answer questions because they have to think back four lies. What did I say four lies ago? So that yeah. my story is cohesive. And you see, yeah, well, the, the truth will set you free, right? And sure. it always tends to over time. Sometimes it doesn't happen fast enough, but it always does. And hopefully for that German that was hiding the Jews, the the lie stayed long enough. Right. Bonhoeffer and yeah, many others. But like, it, it always does eventually you know, come full circle and you, and you realize what it was. I had an experience with my son where... He did something. I could tell immediately he's lying about it. He's a terrible liar. Um, <laughs> and I was real busy, so I just sent him a text and said, God hates a liar. And within about five minutes, I got a text back saying, sorry, I broke it. And it, I just got mad. And and I'm like, you've done something great there, which is you've, you're going to sleep well at night. You're not going to have to continue the lie and make other sure. things up. And how did I tell him it happened and recollect it? So the truth's refreshing. It, it helps you sleep at night. I, I, you've got to have a pretty dark soul to be able to lie all day long and sleep well. So back to this shared experience and the, uh, the teamwork feeling. How do you think that helps? How do those teams... Like, we, we all watched that movie, was there Apollo 13? I think it was Apollo 13. We all got excited when they're figuring out, the astronauts are figuring out, how are we going to get back to Earth? How are we going to use whatever it is? How does that cohesive group expand the limits of capabilities? Because that's when there's true growth. That's when there's amazing accomplishments provided. But wouldn't that go to Lauren's military situation, right? If you're, if you're in a firefight, I'm sure there's not like, what page in the manual does this fit into? Well, I agree. And I think it also comes back to if, if I'm in, am I in my comfort zone? Am I living, am I living what I should? Or because I'm in this group, I need to extend myself more. I need to, this group's lives depend on me I need to be superhuman. I say to people on calls at work, if we fail, people lose their jobs. Sure. I think that's the sort of accountability people should have. I can only imagine, as I say, back to a military experience. And then, you know, the worst thing you want to hear, go back to our baseball thing, is a kid, go, a kid goes, yeah, I just really wasn't into it. So I just didn't swing very well. And sure. we lost by a run. And we had a man <laughs> on third. You know? Right, right. Like, right. So, <clears throat> so you, like it, 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 getting out of your comfort zone is exactly part of that. It's doing what's right or making the effort when you don't feel like it as well. So it's the accountability part of it yeah. that we've talked about. 
But there is there a higher percentage, and we don't have data on this, but is there a higher percentage of people stretching themselves because they have a sense of camaraderie? I think special people do. I think anyone in a team does, though, right? So if you think about it, like that's the reason you practice, you, to get better, right? And if you're a part of, like, whether it's the military or your sporting event or, or whatever it is, you're going to do a little bit better because the guy's right next to you. Yeah. Guy or gal's right next to you. You move forward. You get to the goal. They hold you accountable. You you stretch your goals, right, because you want to, you know, you don't want... So here's the thing. It's not about... Um, always about winning. It's about you don't want to let the next person down. Well, you oh, hope yeah. people are like that. And, and I always sort of fall on absolutes, everyone, anyone. Most people, hopefully, on a team have that. Right. Have that edict that I'm going to fight. If, 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 and baseball is a great analogy, right? Because there's times when all you need to hit is a sacrifice fly. Mm-hmm. or feel this choice or something where you're going to be out to help bunt. the team. A sack bunt. A sack right. bunt, exactly. That's what one of the ones I was trying to think of, yeah. But yeah, it's getting out of that comfort zone is big because, you know, the, what they say, pressure makes diamonds. And sure. you've got to have it. Like, to, to, anyone who's been successful in business knows that the times when you do are really successful is, is uncomfortable. Well, there's a... a a phrase when we were in jujitsu is, is you may not win the match, but as long as you learn something, it was a win. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So how do we wrap this up? Um, and for people with the idea being of you've gone through that in college, you've maybe gone through it in high school, you're now in your thirties or your forties, you're in a job with a big company. You don't find it. Where do they find that camaraderie? Like we've got our coffee mornings. But where, you know, what advice can we give for people to find that kind of camaraderie in their day-to-day lives? Mm. My initial thought was uh, try and find a group that you have, someone that's going to support you. And I've relied on both of these guys through some recent business decisions, a voice to bounce off of, uh, the sense of camaraderie and confidence and different viewpoints and different business ideas. So my, my initial thought was, how do you create that event? Well, then we all go rim to rim to rim the Grand Canyon with no water, right? Like you create a, an event that stretches the limits. Hey, rim to rim with water probably hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) The bright angel trails, no picnic. What about you, Lon? I don't know. That's, it's a trying to come up with a group when no group exists. And if you don't have anything that's in common with anybody, that would be very hard. Oh, that, but go ahead. How do you get started? You start, start, right? True. And it's one of your favorite sayings. And I think it's great is because I think too many people sit around wondering, how do we do this? Uh, you just first step, you get started. Okay. Yeah, I guess reach out to your coworker. Yeah, like, you know, you don't know, and I think it's that, we've talked about this in our coffee group, right? We don't know how many other people want a deeper connection with other people in their office, whether it's church life or whether it's just going to the baseball game together or whatever it is. But you're not going to know unless you put yourself vulnerable Mm -hmm. and start. 
And so I think for everyone, you know, who's, who listens, start something. Put, put it on the list as a goal. You don't need New Year's Eve to do it. Make it like August 1st, I'm going to start this. October 1st, I'm going to start that. Mm-hmm. And just take the first step. You can't achieve goals if you don't measure. You, can, you don't know what you've achieved if you don't measure. Yeah. And so set those goals. Execute. Yes. Yeah. And set, hey, I'm going to introduce myself and be vulnerable to four people at the office. Ask them if they want to go to the baseball game. Ask them if they want to go for a hike. Go for a hike. You know, get together for coffee. Mm-hmm. Eat lunch together. Anything that's a starting point. I think it's great. Go to church. Introduce. Don't just go sit in your pew or sit in your chair and don't talk. To, talk to someone. Stay afterwards and talk to people. Do something that will help you take that first step. Okay, guys. Coffee That's in great. the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow morning. Sounds coffee. good. See you in the morning. Yeah, and then we'll see you on the next episode. Um, and until then, cheers. Bye.